uh, yeah, I was on the staff for 10 years, now I'm an associate, which means I work with him, but he don't pay me nothing. <laughs> he just gives me an office. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, second time being with the pastor and enjoy it. You know, when you've gone down in some helicopters doing some things and you do jump out of airplanes, and, and by the way, there is no perfect good airplane. Because every airplane, every helicopter you get on it, has a maintenance man. And when he gets, on that crew, he gets on that aircraft, he has a toolbox. Now, if that aircraft is so perfect, why is he getting on there with a toolbox? <laughs> so it, you learn to do all types of things like that, and, and your pastor's a, a great writer too. But I'm, I'm senior chaplain because of, only because of Curtis Hubble. He called me and said, we want you to do it. And I said, man, I've got to think about this a little bit. Let me pray about it. This is on Tuesday. He said, I said, you know, start asking me. So I can't now. I'm talking. I'm busy. So we set up to talk Friday. In the meantime, our, our root coordinator called me. Says, have you talked to Curtis? Yes, sir. Are you going to take it? I don't know. <laughs> I said, I got to pray about it, Tom, and we got to think. Now, Tom is a guy that didn't want ministers or chaplains on the run or anything. Uh, he was road captain over the road guards. And I was one year, and, and knocking after that, every year he would come and ask for me. He said, you're my road guard, and he'd gone to Curtis. And uh, so Curtis and I talked, and I said, okay. He said, all right. Because Tom had already told me, unless you, I told him, if you don't hear from me, I'm the new chaplain, senior chaplain. If you do, then you know I'm nice. He says, good, you're my chaplain for next year. <laughs> but it's good to be here and good to see Don and some of these guys I ride with all the time. But we, we serve an awesome God, you know what? I couldn't be here if it wasn't for God. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for mom and dad that prayed. Uh, I'm a military brat. But I'm the grandson of a minister. So, uh, that I never got to saw or see. But God's been good. Because of him and a lot of prayer, that's why I made it back in Vietnam. I was up at a place called i Corps, right at the Deshaw Valley. Uh, if you know who Chuck Norris is, his brother was killed on a place called Ripcord in, uh, in 70, June 70. That's one of the battles I flew in. I was there when he was killed and did those things. But uh, when you learn, when you do all those things, it's easy to take an unwrapped Tootsie Roll sucker, <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, eat it as you're going down the, down the road. And if you're getting sleepy especially, that helps keep you awake. Yeah, but we serve a good God. It is good. We uh, getting used to this. My wife, of course, is from, from uh, Kansas, originally from Osborne. And we spent a couple of nights there at her aunt and uncle's this week. And uh, when we left home, it was going to be 94 degrees in Fort Worth. And I saw a post that said it dropped 50 degrees, and then as if it saw a state trooper, it stopped. And... Uh, so, but it really wasn't that cold. A lot of wind, but it wasn't that bad even in the, when we were standing in Osborne the last couple of days and all. So, and not that bad here. And I'm glad that uh, you've recovered from the floods or you're recovering from the floods. Uh, a friend of mine, I kept, Lee, would you stand? This is Lee Werner. He's one of our, he's a minister, uh, also a Vietnam vet. Don't hold it against him, but he is Mike Murdoch's brother-in-law. And the only thing that makes that good is the fact that his wife. <laughs> 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 but 
But Lee and I are real good friends. So he, he keeps me up on the weather and stuff, the flooding and the snow and stuff up here. So we talked. Now, he went back with me this, this year to Vietnam and over to Cambodia. And I got a chance to let him speak, uh, preach to college students over there. And uh, Donna took Dino. And it blew him away, and he got a chance to speak. And uh, you're gonna get a, this is going to blow you away. For those of you who don't know, no, in January, because we go back, I not only take Vietnam vets, but I take anybody that wants to go. Family members, uh, pastors, pastor. <laughs> and uh, we go over. Well, we were telling them we started taking vets over. First time we came was an M16. Now we come back with a John 316. And we worked with the government, everything we've done. We've put in catheterization labs, we've done, we've built schools, even built a school out on the water where people have never been on land, they live on water. Uh, you name it, we've done it. We have a feeding program for, for, um, for families that are poor. We, every vet, when we first started going in, now the cost was $100, $50, uh, 100 came out of that. And that was to send two kids to school. $50 was send a Vietnamese child to school, poor child. We gave bicycles to them, uh, all kind of stuff. Well, because of that, Global University, which teamed up with REAP, River Educational Assistance Projects, we are getting ready to graduate. I'm going back December 5th for a week, and we're taking some people back. We are going to be graduating 400 students from Global REAP University that are going into the ministry. Yeah. That's, that's, just, that's just this this time, and we've done more than that. We've been doing it while we're over there, but not only that. December, January of this past year, the Vietnamese government told us that we could start three Christian schools, K through 12. The first one just opened up September the 15th, and American teachers are going over. So if you know of a certified teacher that's interested in, a husband interested in, or wife in missions, we will let send you to and pay you, put you in a motel, into an apartment. Matter of fact, Dino and, and Angie is talking about going with me, going over there and staying for two years and teaching. All we ask is either from a three to three year, a three month to a two year commitment. We will put you in an apartment. We have somebody to cook all your meals for you. Uh, and we'll pay you $1,000 a month. And in Vietnam, you can live off $1,000 a month. <laughs> Real easy. Because if you break $100, you, you have $3 million when you break it down into the Vietnamese money. So when I do that and I break $100, man, I'm rich. <laughs> you know, here I, I'm doing good getting $100, but then I can do that. But uh, we're getting ready to open up, and we're going to take these guys and show them some back over just what they're uh, – M16 and John 3:16 is done while they're over there, and so I'm looking really looking forward to it. But if you're interested in it, man, we'd love for you to go. If you will, turn in your Bibles or turn on your iPhones or your iPads. And Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. I'm having to get used to a flat table here. As pastor said, we did pastor 25 years, and in 25 years, we only pastored four churches. One in Kansas and three in Texas. 
Verse 36, chapter 8. For what will it profit a man if he gains his whole world and loses his own soul? Of what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and uh, sinful generation of him of the soul of man also will be ashamed of when he cometh comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels father we just thank you for your love this morning we thank for your presence that we felt already in this service just pray that you would reach down lord and touch that you'll anoint me to minister the words you've laid on my heart Father, that would be you speaking and not, not anything to me, but you touch each one of our lives. And Father, thank you for, for ministering to each one of us and ministering our need this morning. In your son's name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The, uh, y'all need to pray because we just, two years ago I found out I had cataracts. Well, my wife and I both had them. They said, don't worry, you've got a long time before you have to do anything. Well, two years later I've got to have mine removed. And no insurance. My insurance is VA because I'm 70% disabled. So I went to the VA because I don't have between eight and ten thousand dollars for one eye. That's what it cost. At least that's what I was told. So the VA looked at them, said, "Yep, you got them. They're going to need to be removed, but they just don't meet our standards right now. Parameters for them to be removed now. You wait a year and come back, and we'll, <laughs> we'll probably have to do it then in a year. So I've already got a point for August 31st next year to go see about getting cataracts removed." But anyway, so, but uh, we see a great life, the value placed on life. By the way, do we have any Navy people in here today? Navy veterans? Stand up a minute. Sir, happy birthday. He don't look like it, but he turned 244 years old today. <laughs> We appreciate your service. Uh, my dad put 11 years in, so, in the Navy. Rest in the Army, he's 40 years at man. But uh, appreciate your service. The, uh, uh, well, how many, how many Army? It ain't your birthday. <laughs> and by the way, folks, the United States Army is older than the United States of America. One year older. And uh, Air Force? I had a major brother tell me that y'all had a nickname. The Army, you know, was uh, dog face and grunts, Marines, the leathernecks, the uh, Navy of Swabies and all. Well, this Marine, Air Force major told me that Air Force nickname was Sissies. <laughs> I, I said, what? He said, yeah, because all we want is air conditioning hotels. <laughs> I said, hey. We didn't want, want those uh, pup tents either, but we had no choice in it. But thank you, every one of you, for your service. And if I tell you, the glass wall ago, uh, I've got three sisters, two of them living now, but we would argue and fight. But don't you let somebody else come in and do it. And that's the way it is with the military. We're a family. We may kid each other, but if it comes down to it, don't let somebody else try to pick on one. I was, 86, I was 101st Airborne, and 82nd Airborne, sometimes we'll get into fights, but you let somebody come in, pick one or the other, and then they come in and, and work with each other. But anyway, that's, uh, 
But I really learned in combat the value of a soul. I've learned it pastoring. When you're in a hospital praying with somebody, we had a, at the time she was nine years old. She's, she's 40 and last, was it last weekend, honey, we were down for the wedding? When she was eight, nine years old, they found a tumor right in the center of her head, the size of a softball. And on Friday, she's at our ER, and the doctor's telling her mom and dad, but my wife and I are standing there beside them. And uh, Carol says, you need to operate now. He says, ma'am, we can't. We just come out of eight hours of surgery. If we go in now, we could kill your daughter or paralyze or anything. We need to go home and rest. No, man, she was throwing a fit. We want you to do it now. You got, I said, Carol, do you want your daughter to stay alive? Yeah. Well, then you need to let them sleep because they've done that. And the surgery they're doing on the brain is very intricate. So you need to let them rest. So they went home, came back and rest, rested. They took half of it out the February of that year. And six months later, they went and took out the other half. And at 40 years old, she is now cancer-free. And not had any more tumors because of God. And uh, thank you, Pastor. And because of God, what God has done. So the worth of a soul means something. What does it mean to you? I know the pastor told me that his mother-in-law just passed away. Uh, when my mother passed away in 2017, I was in Vietnam with two days left to come home. And my wife gets told me, I, get a, I got an iPhone that's paid for us. I can buy one of those SAMS cards by minutes. So it don't cost me long distance or national, international to call or her to call me. She said, you need to call your sister. My mother passed away and I was two days left. So I came home. So I know what the meaning of life is. I've seen guys that have gone in and, and done everything. We're spending billions of dollars on life. They, uh, war, put bluntly, war is hell. <laughs> it's bad. But because of war, our medical advances have become so far in advance that it blows your mind. I mean, y'all see what Dave Reber looks like, how he's all, well, they went and put Eyelashes, got eyelids now where he didn't have it, we burned off. The drool that was down on his lip, how when they fixed his lip, it don't drool anymore. He, his nose, I messed up as it was. They took some skin from here, came down, put it in, and worked on it. He can now breathe out of both nostrils. And they told him that his hands, like this, if, if it hadn't been 50 years, they could go in and operate on his hands and put them back so they would work. If it had only been like two or three years, it'd be just like my, my hands. But at 50 years, they were afraid they'd come back in. So we think a lot of life. We do everything we can to keep them, keep them living. So what is the cost of it? I mean, we spend billions, and yet we still have people that, that don't make it, that are dying. Do we measure it sometimes by the personality of life? Last year, in 2018, 541 military committed suicide. Two weeks ago, on one ship, three sailors committed suicide. Hello. 
we have veterans that are committing suicide from 2006 to 2016 between the ages of 24, 18, and 34 years old, there was 45 a day committing suicide. Hello, it's hoping thoughts, isn't it? We have a lot of women veterans. Women veterans over non-women veterans, 1.8 8% higher suicide rate. What's the worth of a soul? What are we willing to do to see that somebody doesn't go out into eternity? When we were pastoring in the Valley Center, Kansas. One of my board members came to me one Sunday and says, Pastor, you need to go with me. Mike Houston, one of his employees, he was building organs, hammering organs and stuff. Suicide, suicidal. So we went, we, we talked to him, we prayed with him. We left, and about two weeks later, Mike gets hold of him and says, Pastor, we walked into his house. He didn't show up for work. We walked into his house, and he had hung himself. And this was in 1979. I just saw another statistic that from 2008, to 2016, 60,000 suicides. And so we come to church, nice facilities, and we can worship. Don't, don't take it. I love it. I, I was raised in Pentecost. I, I believe in worship. And we have a service, and we'll go home after service today, and we'll eat, and then we'll go do something else. I hope what I'm saying will stick with you so that you will pray even more for what's going on. Because, folks, we've got a lot of people dying and going to hell. And Jesus said he put us here to stop them. He didn't want anybody to go. He left the 99 sheep and went out and found that one. Let me ask you something. Were you the one that he left the 99 for that went out and find? He left them there by themselves to grow and nurture, to go after that one. But are you willing? Well, I don't know what I can say or do. Let me tell you something. We're never too old to win somebody to the Lord. Well, I can't get out like somebody else. I can't do Okay, you know how to pray, don't you? Prayer does more than anything else. Pastor said, pray for missionaries evangelists. You know, the evangelists are, are, are being squeaked out of the churches. We don't have them like we used to. I had a man tell me, well, evangelist isn't one of the fivefold ministers. I said, man, you better go back and read your Bible again. And this is a preacher. But we've got to reach these people. Because if you watch the news and you see what's going on in our government, you know we're not here for much longer. My wife and I will be over at Thedford tonight with uh, Pastor Ron Matson. We may never get there before the rapture takes place.
I honestly believe we're that close. We're that close to us going home. I mean, Jesus even went up, Zacchaeus wanted to see him, and he climbed up a tree, and he says, you come on down. And went with him. When we pastored in Valley Center, I was also police chaplain, and uh, I carried my weapon. One day we come up, we had a, a fall festival, and he comes in, and they, one of them says, see that car over there? Yeah, well, that's a, uh, that's car stolen, so we may need you. You be ready. You got your weapon on you. Yes, sir. So here I am. We had a free booth. We're the only booth at Fall Festival that didn't have to pay because we didn't sell nothing. We made announcements on our PA system. We had five-gallon igloos full of water. And all of a sudden, Jerry comes up and says, we need you. So I am standing like this <laughs> in front of, my, in front of uh, my, my, some of my congregation members. But then I get a call because a man had, would, had had his two kids, went to a bar, went inside, and got in a fight and stabbed somebody, had to take him to jail. So I called a couple in our church, Mike and Jody Moore, I says, can you take this couple, these two kids, because his dad's going to jail. Let me tell you, we don't think about things, but they're the ones that get hurt in the long run. They're the ones that move out. So we have to step out to that one. And we don't do it for us. We do it for the glory of God. Well, how can people know? I tell you what, if you pray, Lord, let people see you in me and not see me, I guarantee you they're there. People are hurting today. And they want somebody to know they care. It's one thing to care for our families. But it's something else to care for somebody else. That parable of the Great Supper that goes in. I was in Vietnam with a guy, two of, well, I wasn't in Vietnam with him. I went to Bible school, CBC. There two guys just ahead of me, the name of Frank and then Art James. Art was not a Christian. Frank was, and Frank kept telling him, Art, God loves you. Art, God loves you. Every day, several times a day, Art, God loves you. One day they were sitting in, in an area, incoming came in, a hand grenade. Frank jumped on that grenade. And when he did, it exploded. He had a helmet. It injured him, but it didn't kill him. But because of that sacrifice that Frank was willing to make, Art said, hey, maybe there is something to serving this God. And he accepted Jesus. And I had the privilege, Pastor, of going to CBC with both those guys as they graduated the year ahead of me and went into ministry. I believe it was in Kansas several years ago. There was a hostage situation at a bank. The police officer said, look, take me instead of these guys. I'm more, I'm better of a, a hostage for you as a police officer than they are. And he was willing to sacrifice his life for these others to go. No, I'm not equated to Jesus, but that's what Jesus would do. Because he put the love into that man to do that. Look at the people that we've, we've seen, several in the news, whose husbands or wives are getting up a kidney or something. We know a couple, a guy, a friend of my wife's husband, gave a, one of his kidneys up for his brother 
And now he's having problems on dialysis and all and waiting for surgery. But because of the love, the love that was there, what's the worth of a soul? What's the worth? We can sit there and look at it. Well, for God, the worth of a soul was his son to die on a cross, to take that cruel beating. That crown of thorns on his head. And Jesus did it because of the love that God put in for him for us. What is that price that we pay? What is the cost of it? There was a girl in Alaska that went to church. And she was actually beaten, Pastor, for going to church. And she kept going. And he's finally one of her parents to the Lord. Kansas City, Missouri. There was a girl going to church, and her dad told her, said, got saved. Church on the wrong side of the tracks. Said, if you go, you got a choice to make. Now, she had a fine car and fine clothes. Said, you can go to that church, but if you go to that church, leave this house right now. And everything you have stays. you got to make a decision. It's a nice car. I think it was a Corvette, if I remember right, she had. Nice clothes. And she went upstairs to her bedroom. And she said, God, I can't leave what I have. So don't bother me, and I'll never bother you again. Think about it. Well, she got deathly sick. was on her deathbed. The father came up, talked to her, and said, look, pray. Pray to your God. I, can't, I lost your mother, who was a Christian, said, she left, said, you, I couldn't handle you being a Christian, so I gave you that choice. You pray. And she says, Daddy, I can't. Because I told God if he would never bother me again, I would never bother him. So I can't ask him. She went on eternity. Because she made a choice. We make choices every day. Every day. We all heard about the Titanic, how it was going across. Hit that, that ice bridge, ice uh, glacier, fell, went down. Well, <clears throat> that was in April 14th, 1912, that it sunk. One of the passengers on board of that ship was a man by the name of John Harper. And he had jumped off or whatever, but he was floating. He'd come up, and here's a, a little, uh, one of the lifeboats. He tried to get in. They said, you can't get in here. We're too full. If you get in, we'll turn over, and we'll, we'll, we'll drown. About that time, a wave came and got him. As the wave was pushing away, he says, are you saved? Swim back up to the same lifeboat. Man, we told you, we can't take you. If you get in here, there's too many of us, we'll sink. A wave got him again and pulled him back. And he was going back, he says, are you saved? Third time he came up to that, that same lifeboat. Same story. A wave got him as he was going back this time. He said, are you saved? And they never saw him again. John Harper drowned. Two weeks later, 
in Chicago, Illinois, Moody Bible Institute. John Harper was going to minister in that, at, that church. The story I just told you, the young man stood up and gave that same story. And he said, I'm John Harper's last convert. Hello. What's the worth? What's the worth of a soul? When I got to Vietnam into my aviation unit, my guys, I had a guy offer me, Larry McLean from Joliet, Illinois. Man, uh, offer me a cigarette, don't smoke. A little bit later he said, come on, man, we'll go down to the M Club and I'll buy you a beer. Well, I don't drink. He said, well, I'm gonna call you preacher. That's how I got my road name. <laughs> Actually, it was my, my call sign flying the helicopters because you cannot use your real name because the enemy can get into your deals. So my, my call sign was preacher, which translated over the road, uh, road name on, on bikes. But uh, I, my unit was trying to find each other, and I found a friend of mine who had been a board member who took him in. He said, go to this website. Maybe you'll find your own. Your own unit, which I did, and I said, "Man, great unit. Nobody's going to know Rupert Hurl. They're going to know me by preacher." So I said, "Great website, loved it, Rupert Hurl." Next day, I had an email, "Rupert, where have you been? We've been looking for you." My unit has reunions, and on Sunday we have church service. And guess who preaches the church service? I do. Out of, out of that unit, I've led six guys to the Lord, five are in the ministry, and Don and the pastor and them have met one of them, Richard Burquist. And he's riding one of our chaplains this year. What's the worth? What's the worth? Bert was going down and migraines. He had got saved before. Came over. He was at Hamburger Hill and some others. And he went to LBJ because he got in trouble because he went from infantry to flying. Now LBJ was not Linda Baines Johnson. It was Long Bend Jail. And he was in jail because he got all these headaches turned out to be migraines, you know what it was. And he threatened the first sergeant in the Charlie Company, 158 Salt Helicopter Battalion. So I'm going to kill him. Well, after he was getting out, they didn't want him back, so my, my commanding officer, Major Richter, says, I'll take him. And one day, him and I look, and here he is walking across our company compound, Alpha 158 Salt Helicopter Battalion, with an M16 locked and loaded. And he's going to kill that first sergeant. And that's my first encounter with Richard Burquist, who we call Burke. And today he rides motorcycles and came out to our, our uh, anniversary. But he's leading, working with, with bikers and stuff and leading, leading people to the Lord and studying to be ordained. He's already got license, studying how to be ordained. What's the worth? I mean, who thought, look what Billy Graham did. Boy from Charlotte, North Carolina, got saved 
And look how he turned the world around. All the presidents that he prayed for and prayed with. I'm not going to say somebody you pray for will come that big. I don't know. But I do know this. Everyone we pray for and we keep them out of hell, that's the victory. They're the same, doing the same thing as a Billy Graham or anybody else. What is the worth of a soul? Friends, let me tell you something. You can't measure it in dollar bills. Iraq, now Afghanistan, a mother is watching her son being baptized after he got saved in Afghanistan. Two days later, he's killed in action. And she said the only thing that comforted her was she saw him get baptized in water and knew they'd accepted Christ. A friend of mine down to Bible school with, son, he was, he was, he was a cook in Vietnam. And we were talking one day. He's a minister. He went to CBC. That's how I met him at Bible school. And he said, had one of the soldiers come by and said, man, I need to talk to you. Because here's a Christian like me in Vietnam. And he said, I need to talk to you. He said, man, I ain't got time right now. Let's do it tomorrow. So finally they said, don't do it the next day. Well, the next day, he couldn't find him. Lee found out that he got killed on that, when I was a Ford observer, he got, a point man got killed. And he told me, he said, from then on, I never passed up an opportunity. If somebody says, I need to talk to you. I talk to you. How many times have you been asked to pray for somebody and say, I'll do it. I'll pray for you. And maybe a day or two later you remember it. Time to pray is then. How many times have you been in the car and come close to a wreck? And your wife or you say, Jesus. And you miss and you survive it and keep going. How many times have us on motorcycles come close to a wreck or been hit and should have been killed and walk away from it? Because God's not through with us yet. What's the worth of a soul? I hope you're, you're asking yourself, because friends, we can't put a price, financial price on it. God put the highest price that he knew to pay. And that was his son. And my dad used to spank me when I was a kid. Half of them I didn't deserve. And he said so. In May of 98, before he died in August of 99, before he died in August of 99, my sister, one of my sisters in the room and my wife, my dad says, the therapist come in and work on him. And I said, look, I'm trying to be funny and serious. I said, don't work on his shoulders. They're good. They're strong. He worked out on me enough when I was a kid. Work on his legs so he can walk. He'd been gone maybe 10, 15 minutes. He didn't listen to me. You know. My dad looked at me. He was a man that had been 240 pounds, six foot two, had lost down smaller than I am. But in his deep bass voice, he said, son, I owe you an apology. 
Sir, <laughs> I owe you an apology. What for, Daddy? I gave you half of your sister's spankings growing up. So I, I know that's a fact. But you, and they heard. I'd, got, I'd rather my dad spank me any day, though, than give me a lecture. Well, Jesus took those lashes. And those lashes, that bullwhip, had metal strips on them at the ends of them. And they were experts. They could take that with their wrist and wrap it around your body and just barely put holes in it, put as they come around like fingernail scratches and cut you and cut you. And that's what they did. They say 40 strikes less one, 39 strikes. That's for every major disease that's there. And then they took those crown of thorns and placed them on his head. Thorns went down, two inch thorns and bigger. And the blood came out. They nailed his hands right through here. And the doctor on my board uh, told me, my medical doctor says, Rupert, there's no bones in through here. It's cartilage. No bone was broken. When he fixed his knees, the same thing. And he would hang, and then he'd have to sloop down because the fluid's building around his body and his heart and his lungs. So he'd go back up so he could breathe, and then it would hurt and go in. Every time he did, it would tear that much more into his hands and into his feet. So he suffered pain. And no matter how much pain that we think we have suffered and have gone through, it's nothing compared to what he went through. God, it's not only did he go through that pain, but he went through the pain for each and every one of us. And if we had been the only ones on this earth, he would have still done it. What's the worth? What's the worth of your soul? Hello. Sobering thoughts, isn't it? What's the worth of a soul? Right now in Japan, we've got missionaries trying to help people because of an earthquake, five point, category five that just hit, and a tsunami came in right behind it. Just yesterday. What's the worth of a soul? How many passed away in the floods that y'all had here? What's the worth? Good question, isn't it? Good question. Over in, let me get over there real quick. Over in 1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 22. And I'm closing with this. Because you catch, I hope you're catching a glimpse of just what God considers immortal souls worth. And that we need to do all we can to catch them. Twenty, twenty-one, and 22. And the Jews, and to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law, to those who are without law, 
as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. The pastor, when he introduced me, said that, guys, I had respect for these guys. Well, let me tell you something, folks. It's God who has given me the favor for them. I know that. I can do nothing without God. And God will give you favor to touch those that are around you. Because, let me tell you, he knows every time you go to church, that neighbor does. And every time you don't. We got moved from one town to another. My dad was advisor of the National Guard units in North Carolina. And this girl, and I'm getting ready to close, had lived across the street from us. Well, across right the street, across our driveway. And the driveway was so, you know, you could get a car through it and that was it. And you could see, you know, with no problem. She found my mom in Goldsboro and she said, Miss Harold, I want you to know because of your family, I'm a Christian today. She said, because I saw you every time you went to church, I knew when you didn't. I watched you. I saw how you lived. And because of it, I'm serving God. So don't think you're not touching somebody. You're touching somebody. And you don't even know it. Sometimes they even realize that. But someday they may come back to you. Because of you, I'm what I am today. What's that worth? Father, I just thank you for your love. I thank you that you were willing to suffer and to die for me and for every one of us. I'm glad, Father, that uh, you were willing to pay that ultimate sacrifice. And I just pray that this morning that you would touch us. Help us to be willing, Lord, to do what it takes to win that one soul. Lord, to be the witnesses that you would have us to and to live the life that you would. We'd want us to. Because we're here for a reason. It's not just to, to come to church, but it's here to learn from you and then to go out and tell others about you. And I just thank you, Father, because this church is going to grow and continue to grow as they continue to, to spread the word and see the cost of a soul is dear, but it's worth the price being paid. It's worth the price. Thank you, Lord. There's a, you can look up. There's, Dave was brought into a, Bamsey Army sort of to a big deal, the uh, debriefing room. World War II, that's where you would take you in and, and, and even us talk to us, find out what was going on. And they put him in this huge tub of water. And we try to be funny sometimes, you know. My wife tells me sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. Well, Dave thought he was going to be funny, so he said, where's my rubber duckies? And they started cutting and pulling blood everywhere and he thought he was going to die he said I'm taking somebody with me he grabbed a nurse pulled her head down in the water drowning her and he said 
the doctor said, I think we better quit. They got her up, she went over, cleaned herself up, his, his dirty skin, dead skin, and his ha her hair and everything, came back, got him, took him back to his room on the gurney, put him on this bed with an air mattress type deal. Said, now tomorrow morning at 8.30, we're gonna come back and we're gonna do this all over again. He said, man, don't tell me that. That's like telling the kid, an alcoholic, telling this kid, I'm going to come in the morning, I'm going to give you the worst spanking you've ever had. That kid's not going to sleep all night, and I'm not either. I said, sure enough, I didn't sleep all night. But at 8.30, they were there with that gurney. And every time they tried to move me, that dead skin would come off. Finally, in walks this six foot seven, 350-pound ebony man. And Dave said he had cannonballs for muscles and his name was Rosie. And they'd know it was Rosie because he had it tattooed across his arm. Rosie just took one arm and took those attendants and just moved them all out. Took both hands, turned them under, pushed down that air mattress, reached in and picked him up so gently. And turned and Dave says, I thought he was gonna put me on that gurney, but he didn't. He walked all the way down to that debriefing room and put me in that water. And they started their cutting and everything again. And he said, I thought I was about to die and I was ready to scream. And I looked over and here was Rosie standing up against the wall with his face, arms folded, tears running down his face, praying and crying for this man. He said, then I knew I was gonna be okay. And they said, I think he's had enough. They came over and Rosie came in and picked him up out of that water they dried him off, and instead of putting him on the gurney and pushing him down, he walked all the way back down to that hall bed, that bed. And every step of the way, as he would take, he'd say, you're going to be all right, big man, you'll see. You're going to be all right, big man, you'll see. You're going to be all right. He got to his bed, he laid him down, pushed on that, that mattress, pulled his arms out, reached over and just moved one little hair that he could over on his forehead, a good place he didn't get burnt kissed him on that forehead and said, you're going to be all right, big man. You'll see. You're going to be all right. Fourteen months that he was there, Rosie was there with him. And Dave got out. And I traveled with him across the United States and all, and I've seen it happen. And he's asked people that he's seen that was with him. You remember Rosie? Oh, yeah. When did he come? Uh, when you did. When did he leave? when you did, where did he go? And he was up in the state of Washington speaking to uh, National Guard units and other militaries. And he's in there talking, filling out this papers, autographing his books and stuff. And then walks this lady, real nice, fine dressed lady, walks up and says, you're Milton Reaver, aren't you? Uh-oh. Who are you? You know, nobody calls me Milton. You say, you're Milton. Well, no, that's not really your name. You're Milton David Reaver. Yeah, who are you? Says, I didn't recognize you at first because it's the first time I've ever seen you in clothes. He said, don't say that. I'm a minister. <laughs> who are you? I'm the nurse that you pulled ahead into the water. Her husband was the commanding general over all the National Guard units for the state of, Nebraska, state of uh, Washington. And he asked her, have you seen Rosie? 
Yeah, I haven't thought about him in years. Well, when did he come? When you did. When did he leave? When you did. Where did he go? Do you know anything? No, we don't know anything. You know, him and I have talked about it, and I know some of y'all think, man, it's an angel. And it could have been. But we hope it's not. We pray that it's not an angel. But we pray that it was a man who couldn't care less about the color of the skin. We care enough about that man to pray for him and to be there in time of need. This morning while they're playing, I want to challenge you to be a Rosie. Let me challenge you to be a Rosie. Well, I don't know if I can do that or not. All it takes is the love of God. And I want to see people get saved. Because then when you become Rosies, you're willing to pay the price to see a soul saved. What's the worth? I'm not going to raise a show of hands or ask you to stand, but I'm going to ask you, between you and God, be a Rosie. Be a Rosie. Thank you, Rupert. We're going to ask our ushers to come this morning and we're going to receive an offering. Help Rupert do the, the ministry that he does and the travels that he do. We want to help him with that. If you write a check, you can just write it to Calvary and we'll write one check to Rupert. But some of you don't know the story of Dave Reaver, the man he's talking about. He was in Vietnam on a boat. He was raising his hand to throw a grenade and a bullet hit that grenade, exploded, and took phosphorus grenade so it burned his entire body yeah those things yeah those things burn it 5,000 degrees he was burned head to toe shouldn't have lived but he does and today that's who Rupert works for they minister to the military all across the country these guys have incredible access to places that civilians shouldn't be able to go but these guys can because they're military and so Lord, we thank you this morning that we can give because you're so good. And Lord, we thank you for Rupert. Thank you for Myra. Thank you for the ministry that they do, for Dave Reaver and all the ministry that he does. And Lord, I pray that this morning as we give, that we could help partner with them to reach veterans, to reach families, to reach bikers. All the work that these guys do, we thank you that we can have a part in that. And I pray that you bless the offering, bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14 says, What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills to go look for the one who wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he's happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of one of these should perish. Rupert kept asking, What's a soul worth? What is it worth? What is it worth? Jesus paid the price for your soul. And God isn't willing to leave you where you're at. He's not willing to leave you in the wilderness. He's already paid the price for you to come to him. And he's out there searching for you. He's out there wanting and desiring to have a relationship with you. 
And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. He knows exact situations that you're in. He knows the exact same things that you're feeling right now. And he knows exactly what you need. And all you have to do is go to him. I'm not saying that it's all going to work out and be beautiful, wonderful rainbows. But it'll be a lot better if you're with Jesus than if you're without him. And so as we sing this last song, I just encourage you, wherever you're at, seek God. The word says that if we will seek after him, he will seek after us. If we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. And so I just encourage you with that this morning.
to me It's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me someone's life. Lord, the one that you use to chase them down, to come to them, to share your love, to share your goodness with them. And Father, I pray that you would help us to see those opportunities and to take those opportunities in our everyday life. So Lord, I pray as we go today that you bless our church family, uh, Lord, their homes, their health, relationships, finances. But Lord, more than that, help us to be your hands and feet extended to those around us. Lord, those in our workplaces, those in our schools, and the stores everywhere we go. Lord, use us to be your examples. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Make sure you group Rupert and Myra over here. And uh, Lee, so glad to have you. And so uh, tonight, life group, 6 o'clock.